right, so can you introduce uh, yourself to the Metaverse show? Absolutely. So I'm Will. Um, I'm the co-founder of Syndicate, where we allow anyone to spin up investing DAOs. And then I'm also the creator of Adventure Gold, which was a blue derivative that uh, took off uh, <laughs> well beyond my expectations. Um, and I've been in the decentralization space since 2013. Um, I got into it through best networking, actually. I was doing research one summer at the MIT Media Lab working on peer-to-peer mesh networking software. Oh, nice. Um, I feel like mesh networking and BitTorrent are kind of the two areas that like peer-to-peer that are like crypto sucked all the air out of the room, but like they're, they're, they're still very interesting. And then um, uh, I was doing some weekend side projects with Bitcoin, like back when it was cool, like launch your own coin in like 2013, 2014, I was uh, just like uh, compiling my own forks to the Bitcoin network just to see how difficult it was and see how difficult it was to launch a new coin. I saw it was a ridiculously complex process to launch your own coin and then secure the network and find enough miners um, to 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 be able to like have a viable network. So I saw the Ethereum pre-sale pop up um, and I saw that it let you launch your own token and inherit the whole security of the Ethereum network. And I was like, that sounds cool. So I took the $10 sign-up bonus I got from Coinbase um, uh, and put that in the Ethereum pre-sale. Um, if I had put a hundred bucks in, I could have bought a house, but you know, hands hey, 10 bucks was good enough. <laughs> 10 bucks was, 10 bucks was, yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's carried me very far. Um, and, um, and then, uh, yeah, so been tracking Ethereum since 2014, um, and, uh, worked with IDEO Collab Ventures in 2018, um, where I met my co-founder Ian, um, and we've been talking about Syndicate for pretty much the last, uh, few years and we decided to go do it in, uh, January of this year. So, um, it's been quite the ride since. Very cool. So what is it about DAOs that you think is so important to the space? Mm, yeah. So DAOs are really interesting because they're really this grand experiment in human collaboration. So I feel like a lot of the 2014 to 2016 ethos in Ethereum was how do we build a better society? How do we build a better world? And the DAO in 2016, which I tossed like seven ETH into back when that was not the DAO. Money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the DAO was was this kind of grand experiment in how we could fund new ideas. Um, where uh, we could fund where we could fund things as a community and the community could allocate capital with its own decisions instead of uh, having that be done by central entities who decides what and does and does not get funded. Um, 2017 to 2020, I think, was so DeFi focused that DAOs kind of fill out the conversation. And then only in 2020 and beyond, um, when people start talking about DAOs and NFTs, that I think we kind of resume this grand experiment in how we build a better society. Um, that's really exciting to me. Um, that's what got me into the space initially in, uh, in the presale. And that's what I think is the ultimate vision of crypto, in my opinion. So I was speaking to somebody the other day about DAOs and they challenged the distinction between a DAO as a specific thing and Ethereum not being an example of just one big DAO. Like, how do you draw the distinction? What defines a DAO? Yeah, so DAOs are really interesting because, so the idea of DAO came, DAOs came from um, a book called Damon by Daniel Suarez. And it's this uh, work of science fiction where it envisions um, these like, decentralized autonomous agents that are both interacting in the digital world, 
for example, giving people quests and interacting in the physical world. Um, it envisions everything from farming cooperatives run via DAOs to uh, assassin autonomous motorcycles. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very it's a very very interesting book on the positives and negatives um, of DAOs. And that that book, Damon, was referenced in the Ethereum white paper. So um, if you view DAOs, strictly speaking, as decentralized autonomous organizations, most of the things we call DAOs do not qualify. Um, many of them are decentralized. They don't have a central authority making decisions. They often make decisions via governance votes. Many of them are not autonomous. Um, many of them do require um, intervention by people. And some of the things we call DAOs are even just O's, organizations. Like, yeah. um, and I think that DAOs are much more of a spirit of collaboration and a way of operating than like a strict definition. Um, I think that what makes a DAO is a desire for really broad community involvement, a desire for bottom-up participation, and a desire to have accessible participation, which in my opinion, the accessibility is the most important aspect. Um, is Ethereum a DAO? Um, that is... Uh, I think that the question of Ethereum and protocols in general as DAOs is an intriguing one because protocols are the truest versions of the definition of a DAO. They are the most decentralized and autonomous um, like organizations we have in crypto. For example, Sushi is like, very decentralized, very autonomous. Um, the Sushi code would run forever. Um, and Sushi has found interesting ways as a community to expand into, for example, NFT marketplaces and things along those lines. So I'd say according to the definition of DAOs put forward in Daemon, Ethereum is most certainly a DAO. I think according to the definition of DAOs as collaborative enterprises, which is how people use it now, um, Ethereum is a DAO, but it's probably not the primary example of collaboration, given that um, uh it's uh it 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 has uh there aren't that many people making decisions about ethereum itself there are people proposing eips there are people who are writing code as core contributors but that's a pretty small segment of the overall community um whereas for example sushi and uni and other DAOs are much more accessible in their governance so i'd say according to the Strict definition of DAOs, protocols in general are the um, purest examples of them. Right. According to what we think of as most DAOs, protocols tend to be less accessible to contributors than other options. So if you take like the spiritual definition of DAOs as like accessible contributions, um, protocols are less accessible than, um, say, communities. I like that. Spiritual definition of a DAO. Um, so, and how, like, how close up should we get with science fiction's early definitions mm. of the world that we're building now because we've got the same thing with the metaverse right nobody can quite agree on what the metaverse is i actually think that's to its benefit mm. um but certainly like my definition is grounded more in kind of the, the, the snow crash concept yeah um how much should we be limited by those you know early concepts whether it's a metaverse or whether it's a DAO or anything else that we're trying to build today yeah that's a really interesting question. Speaking as someone who named my previous company librarian after a character in Snow Crash, um, it's, uh, it's, it's something where I think science fiction is uh, a good inspiration that often has not fully played itself out. Um, Snow Crash is the perfect example where in Snow Crash, many people are 
working for a DAO, so to speak, right. um, collecting intelligence. That's like the main, the main, the main, like the main character heroes like job is collecting intelligence effectively for a DAO. Um, the metaverse is a very true definition of metaverse in it, where it's this virtual reality that people can enter into. Um, but at the same time, um, I don't think that we should be limited by those definitions. I think we should take them as inspiration and run with them, but I don't think that they should act as restrictions. Um, so I think that, uh, for example, with the metaverse, um, there's uh, many examples of collaboration, for example, that are taking place on the internet, but not strictly speaking, taking place in virtual worlds. I think if you took the snow crash definition of the metaverse, let's say, someone would argue that um, players collaborating in World of Warcraft to assemble um, like some, some goal in a quest is a true version of the metaverse, but people operating in Genesis for loot, where they're doing on-chain transactions and not in this virtual world, so to speak, yep. it's not exactly a virtual world. It's kind of 2D. Yeah, yeah. It's more like a, it's more a collaboration game. Yeah. Um, Genesis for loot, where you assemble different pieces of loot bags into these Genesis adventurers. I think a lot of people would say that that's not a metaverse under a strict snow crash definition. But in my mind, the collaboration involved in completing a quest goal in the world of Warcraft versus completing a quest goal in the loot ecosystem is extremely similar. Just one happens to be in a virtual world and one happens to be a little closer to, to the world that we live in. Um, and I guess you can argue that, you know, what we're seeing now are the kind of rudimentary primitives that would allow for that more immersive virtual environment, this kind of tooling of collaboration, economic transaction. Um, so let's talk about loot then. Like mm -hmm. what the hell's, what the hell is loot both as a project and like as what it represents um and then let's talk about some of the derivatives that we've been seeing yeah absolutely so loot was created by dom hoffman the uh he he's he's he does incredible um digital art and experiments in the blockchain and uh was also the former co-founder of vine and he launched loot to the world saying it's freedomant anyone can do anything they want with it um and it was really this incredible experiment and collaboration because um Loot was entirely on chain, which meant it was very easy for projects to build on top of it. Um, because all of the items in a loot bag, which the primitives were RPG items like weapons and armor and helmets and things like that, um, because those were all available on chain, other people could leverage them very easily. So, for example, the, one of the first things people did was create discords that were guilds for specific items where they could check the on chain property and allow people into the Divine Robes Guild, for example, which is one of the most prominent ones, um, or other guilds based on different properties that people had. Um, another thing people did was they started using the data inside of the loot bags, um, the on-chain data in their own smart contracts. So Loot Mart um, turned all of the um, items into uh, generative NFTs that had images associated with them and allowed you to split up a loot bag of 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 a collection of items into individual units, which is incredibly cool. Um, Genesis uh, had people um, effectively, if you had certain types of loot, that gave you mana that could that you could use to assemble different uh, types of adventurers in loot lore. And they've done a large contribution to loot lore. I launched Adventure Gold, um, 
which is an in-game currency for the loot universe. Um, and it's been used in, for example, quests for loot, where you can wager it to battle a dragon. Um, it's been used in to permission some mints in the loot ecosystem, and it's been used for some um, NFT trades as well. Um, so loot is this really incredible example of just bottom-up community experimentation. What well, and what's the has it managed to have like a definitive categorization now? So you know, like a, an equivalent play to earn, or is it still slightly amorphous and it's not, you know, not got a kind of very neat way of describing what loot is? Yeah, I think that it's hard to repeat loot as a category. Um, I think that it's very much a unique moment in time because most of the incentives in crypto projects are always to launch something new. Almost always creating a fork is more profitable than building on top of an original. And those are incentives that the crypto space needs to solve to create long-term value um, rather than short-term speculation. But the incentives being what they are, that's why you see so many new 10K PFP drops and no one really building much on top of the existing profile um, picture projects besides the creators themselves who are pushing forward a roadmap. Um, so most of the space, the incentives are to make something new. And in Loot, it was flipped on its head where because it was accessible to the community in the early days, many of the community members um, took it forward and just, they loved holding Loot. They loved to contribute to the ecosystem. So they took it forward. So Loot managed to break out of this model where it's more profitable to start something new, um, which uh, I'd say is hard to repeat. And that's why I hesitate to call Loot the category because this bottom-up community experimentation only works when the community has enough of a sense of ownership. And that's the beauty of the way Dom put it out in the world, is he said, anyone can do anything they want with it. And this is an experiment, and it's up to the community to take it forward. Um, everything that was launched in the community was launched without any coordination between anyone else. Um, like, I had been circulating Adventure Gold in the Discord for loot, and people really liked it, and people were really excited about it. but I, no one ever needed to, uh, no one, no one, no one, there was no ever like, uh, there was never a layer of um, like uh, approval for it. It was just, uh, I can take it forward and launch it because I think it's cool. And that's a lot of the projects in the loot space. Um, it's, so, it's obviously been like very like polarizing, like any good innovation, mm -hmm. I would argue is always polarizing, right? Yeah. Um, and especially the more permissionless it is um, because you just have so many people contributing to it or, at least they have the ability to. So everyone's kind of coming at it from a slightly different perspective, maybe even motivation. Um, what are the what are the pros and cons of what they're trying to do? So um, you know, we've got a few projects in the gaming space from the gaming world, but you know, to varying degrees of being Web three natives, and some of them are like horrified by loot. They were just like, no, nothing ever is going to come out of this. Like, do you know how hard it is to do what we're doing and what we're building? Um, and then, you know, I think other people really kind of understood some of the principles that mm -hmm. it maybe was indicating about how you might, you know, roll out um, these kind of um, new gaming environments, uh, new gaming engines. What, 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 as you see it, what do you see as the pros and the cons and how is it actually taking shape today. Yeah. Um, so there's an interesting question of is, are we playing the loot game right now? Right. Or is loot trying to build a game? Um, I'd argue that 
each individual derivative helps move the ball forward in terms of something that people can, a, a metaverse that people can use. Like an expansive definition of a loop metaverse is that interaction with any derivative and interaction with the ecosystem is playing a game. Like Genesis, for example, you have to assemble a bunch of different elements spread across different loop bags and you have to track them down between NFTX and OpenSea and trades and people are setting up multi-six to collaborate. That looks a lot like a game. And that is a game. That's a game without any graphics. That's a game without any uh, without 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 any interface. It's all on chain. But it 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 certainly feels a lot like a game, and certainly um, the goals look a lot like a game. Um, that being said, like, is it easy to build a game with structured mechanics? For example, um, that's very hard. Um, does the bottom up community experimentation create something that's as fun and entertaining and enjoyable, I'd say it could go in that direction. Um, so I think that most of the most of the views of loot that were pro or con came down to what they saw as the game. The people who saw every derivative in the whole ecosystem as the game were very pro loot. And that's the camp I tend to be in. The people who saw loot as trying to build a game um, and loot is not yet a game and does not yet have a game. They were very opposed to loot and because rightfully so, it is hard to build a game. Um, if you're conceiving of a game as some sort of like 2D or 3D world that you can navigate and uh, interact with. But I think that games in this expansive definition of a metaverse look very different. Um, in many ways, like many NFT communities are a game, like trading NFTs in some ways is a game. It's a game where you can make or lose lots of money, um, but it's also fun and enjoyable and um and something that uh that people collaborate on heavily um so i think that yeah the loot reactions were pretty much split along those lines of the definition of loot as a game yeah i think it's a really interesting perspective um well it, it was about the perspective that you, you had on the space to um uh whether you saw it as a game in and of itself or or they were trying to build a game i think that's a really really good way of putting it um, so how can people get involved with, with your particular initiative within that space then? Yeah, so um, the great part about Adventure Gold is that it has really widespread acceptance from the community. It is seen as the in-game currency of the loot universe. Um, uh, and that's something where um, the way to get involved in Adventure Gold is to build something with it. I talk with lots of builders all the time who are interested in integrating Adventure Gold and I guide them through it. I guide them through its features. I guide them through ways to use it. And that's how you build on top of it. But I don't even see Adventure Gold as um, separate from the loot ecosystem. Everything in the loot ecosystem helps Adventure Gold. Adventure Gold, likewise, helps everything in the loot ecosystem. Um, so um, I think that people who conceive of it as separate from the rest of the ecosystem are 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 making a category error where they see like Adventure Gold, and the goal of Adventure Gold is to encourage adoption of Adventure Gold. It's like well. If the whole loot ecosystem is really enjoyable and entertaining and fun, and Adventure Gold is widely accepted within the loot ecosystem, that's what really gives Adventure Gold utility. That's what gets me really excited about it. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, any contribution to the loot ecosystem is in its own way a contribution to Adventure Gold. Likewise, a contribution to Adventure Gold is a contribution to the loot ecosystem. They're one and the same, in my opinion. Very cool. Well, look, I really enjoyed doing a panel with you earlier on investing and building um, mm -hmm. in NFTs here at the NFT Castle. 
Um, it's been a real pleasure to kind of get a one-to-one with you and also to kind of hear your perspective on that whole loop phenomena, um, as well as DAOs more generally. So thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks so much.